More and more Manitobans are walking out of emergency rooms without seeing a doctor. 30% of people leave emergency rooms without seeing a physician. And one of our listeners says she has the common sense solution for the province to figure out how to track these people down after they leave. For this week's Small Town Salute, we head just a little bit south of Winnipeg to a community that is excited for its brand new hockey team. And as far as music goes, is there music that you like that no one really knows about? I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb, who's on Connecting Winnipeg this week. We are Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. And this is the Thursday, September 15th podcast for The Start. It's Mackling and McGarry. McNabb is on Connecting Winnipeg this week, and I probably shouldn't start the show by immediately diverting your attention away from the show, but I can't help but uh, get a little excited about seeing the Clayman hosting Global News Morning. Oh, yeah. Uh, Turn off your radio and turn on your television and watch Clay Young on Global News Morning as uh, Gabrielle Marchand is going to have some holidays coming up here and... Clay's stepping in to fill the breach, as they say. And he actually, he looks like one of the men in black right now. It's probably a, a, a dark blue suit, but on our, my televisions, it's just black. Looks black suit, white shirt, black tie. Um, at, the, at the end of the show, is he going to pull out one of those memory sticks and say, blang, <laughs> you don't remember anything I just did in case it goes not so well? I was going to say, it probably <laughs> depends on how well he feels he did on the news desk this morning. So congratulations <laughs> to Clay. And uh, we look forward to getting him back out on the streets of Winnipeg so we can bring him on our show. I guess we won't be getting him to report live from the newsroom down the hall. That's right. That's right. But we do look forward to seeing what sort of mayhem he can get into when he gets back out onto the street. And speaking of the streets, a little little wet this morning. You said that... um just as you were having your tea and opened the curtains, kablamo. I was actually, I pulled up to the to the uh, order board at uh, the Tim Hortons on Henderson Highway, and it had been raining, but maybe spitting or maybe not at all. I opened my window, and the rain came down mm. in an absolute deluge. And so, uh, yeah, I I couldn't even hear the woman on the other side. Taking my order. I couldn't hear her for the rain. And I said, I hope you have that. I pulled up to the window and (laughs) sure enough, she did. And I just very quickly paid and and moved along. So yeah, the timing wasn't great. So you didn't end up getting a pumpkin spice espresso. (laughs) You got your steeped tea? Steeped tea and moved along. I I kept the order very, very simple. Uh, One of our colleagues down the hall yesterday posted on social media saying this has gone too far uh, with showing a screenshot of pumpkin spice yogurt. So anyway, I'm not it. The only pumpkin spice thing I'm interested in is pumpkin pie. Um, the but, Dairy Queen pumpkin pie blizzard is actually pretty good. Yeah, the pumpkin ice cream is great. Sergeant Sunday used to make pumpkin ice I cream. I think they still do. Do they still do? I think so. Okay, yeah. yeah. I remember once I went in there, I actually was craving a malt. And uh, <laughs> Oh, yeah? And But they they, uh, they said, oh, no, sorry, we, we don't serve those in the fall because we use that machine for the pumpkin ice cream. Oh, I didn't know they the had fall. malts. 
at Sergeant Sunday. This was years ago now. I okay. probably, I, I, now that I say that out loud, I I, <laughs> I don't know what they serve now. I the last time, the last couple of times I've tried to go there. Of course, it's. Uh, I think I've said this before, but I remember. I think I went there to last summer, and I parked my car in Overdale. Not far from where you once lived, Mr. Mackling, mm-hmm. and uh, I walked around the corner, and I didn't, without even breaking stride, I just turned around <laughs> and walked back to the corner because I don't know what I was thinking. I, of course, there's going to be a, li- a massive lineup. It's one, it's a popular ice cream place, but I was kind of hoping maybe not such a big lineup. Well, maybe today's the day to go to Sergeant Sunday. Probably not going to be lined up today. You never know. People will yeah, line up true. for that thing Good until point. it's uh, until it's over. So, um, but yes, uh, Malco, by the way, in the uh, the, wa- the uh, Waverly Estate, saying 13 millimeters of rain in that neighborhood. So uh, we did it. Did come down fast and furious. Hopefully not too long, uh, because anybody it's been, it feels like it's been a month without rain, and anybody hoping to do anything outdoors today might be a little sad about that. Yeah, say you had a golf game or a golf tournament planned for today, probably not the best thing, or an outdoor event uh, planned for tonight at uh, the Victoria Hospital (laughs) in support of mental health. I would suspect there's a good chance we'll be under a tent tonight versus being out in the in the garden as we were hoping to be. But uh, also uh, one of my boys playing in his first high school golf tournaments today and uh, probably going to be a little bit of a soggy start at uh, 9 o'clock. And speaking of hospitals, at 6.35, we're going to delve into this a little bit more. You've heard in Jeff Braun's newscasts that more and more people are walking out of emergency rooms without seeing a doctor. Yeah, and there are implications uh, for the system, not maybe from the front side that we hadn't contemplated, but on the back side. What does that mean for individuals that don't end up seeing a physician? What should we be doing to to track that? Why is that important? A couple of uh, different questions coming out of that, including, uh, Brett, maybe the ultimate question that I have, and I hate to phrase it this way and I hate to look at it this way, but is this plain and simply our new reality and do we just have to deal with it as it is? Or on the flip side, do we need to keep the magnifying glass, the spotlight on this situation and demand better? I suppose there's an in-between those two situ- two stances, but I suspect it'll be sort of a polarizing question or answer that you have because uh, I think people have have a staunch position one way or another on these things. And we're going to make that the subject of our question of the day. And then at 6.35, we're going to hear more on this. We'll hear from Global's Marnie Blunt. And uh, Loren McNabb yesterday spoke with Dr. Alan Katz from the University of Manitoba, professor of family medicine. Uh, so we just want to play a bit more of that. You've been hearing him in the news, but we want to just give you some more details on that in case you missed it yesterday. And speaking of our question of the day for credit aid, struggling with debt, call 204-987-6890, creditaid.ca. Uh, yesterday's results, which of these four civic elections is most civic, let me say that again, which of these four civic election issues is most important to you? And at CJOB.com, 59% said crime and public safety, 32% infrastructure, 8% poverty slash homelessness, and 1% said transit. And similar results on Twitter and Instagram as well. But uh, yeah, crime, public safety... That's the we were talking a few, couple of days ago about major infrastructure uh, promises, but the, it's tough to to not think about crime and public safety. Yep, and it's uh, top of mind for a majority of you. It's the number one priority, and so that'll be the question moving forward. I think for for most candidates for city council and for candidates 
who want to become mayor. What, what is your approach to this? How are you going to make things better? Who are you going to work with? What's your strategy? It is Mackling and McGarry. McNabb is on Connecting Winnipeg. In our next segment, we are going to tell you how you can win yourself two tickets to see Darcy Oak at Burton Cummings Theatre, happening October 21st and 22nd. And after Global News at 7 o'clock, we'll head back to London and check in with Ben O'Hara Byrne, who is the host of A Little More Conversation, which airs on CJOB weeknights from 9 until midnight and across the Chorus Radio Network. Richard Cloutier filling in for Ben this week on that show. But we want to get right into this here. The number of Winnipeggers Jeff's been telling you about this in his news, but let's get into it a bit further. The number of Winnipeggers walking out of the emergency department without seeing a doctor has been rising over the past year. As Global's Marnie Blunt reports, medical experts say it's an alarming number and something needs to change. Playing the waiting game for hours upon hours. The recent routine for many Manitobans visiting the emergency room. But for many, it's simply not worth the wait. These are people who have chosen to go to the emergency room for help and are not getting the help they need. Recent data from Shared Health shows in July of this year, more than 30% of patients left the ER at HSC without being seen by a doctor. The highest rate over the past 12 months, and it's a rate medical experts say is concerning. This is just another one of those indicators that we've got a healthcare system that's really struggling to meet the needs of the population. An indicator on display at HSC over the weekend as rapid succession of severely sick and injured patients overwhelmed the ER. On Wednesday, Health Minister Andre Gordon said she will be meeting with some of those nurses. There's certainly no monopoly on good ideas, and that's why I'll be talking to the frontline ED nurses very soon to hear about what they feel some of the solutions are. Dr. Alan Katz says research shows people who leave the ER likely didn't need to be there in the first place, but presumably have nowhere else to go. And a lack of family doctors, lengthy wait times at walk-in clinics, and fewer virtual care options than at the height of the pandemic could all play a role. The one solution is to understand what kind of problems people have that that come to the emergency room and don't stay to be seen, and then to think of alternatives Uh, like uh, nurse practitioners, family physicians and virtual care as options to provide that care for them. Solutions, he says, need to be looked at at a time when the health care system needs them most. Marty Blunt, Global News. So Loren McNabb had an extensive conversation with Dr. Katz yesterday morning on Connecting Winnipeg and had some more than compelling thoughts on why many of us end up in the ER when we really don't want to be and when we really shouldn't be. Uh, lots of people don't have family doctors or their family doctors are not available when they need to be seen. So they go to emergency with things that really shouldn't be seen in an emergency. And Manitoba Health tried to respond to this by turning some of our emergencies into what they call urgent cares. So not so much for people who are having heart attacks or serious car uh, collisions or things like that, but people who are not quite that urgent so we can see them quicker uh, and more efficiently in an urgent care. Problem is that the wait times in the urgent cares and emergency rooms are still way too long because too many people are going there and we don't have the staff to provide the services. What are some ultimate ways to improve the way we assess issues and 
ultimately direct people with health issues to appropriate resources. So one of the things that we learned over the past two years during the pandemic was the significant value of virtual care. So a, a phone call from somebody to somebody who can actually respond in a way that is uh, appropriate. So the problem we have with, with health links is that the staff on the other end of the phone on health links work off a series of what they call algorithms, instructions. You ask the patient a number of questions and you land up at the bottom and it says, well, we don't know what this is, so you have to be seen, so you have to go to emergency. That is not particularly helpful. So we have to think differently about how we use that virtual care option and make things available to people when they need them. Ah, HealthLinks. The concept, I think, Brett, is a good one. But how many of us have called HealthLinks to have them tell you that you don't need to attend an ER or an urgent care department? What alternative advice have you received? I'd be curious to hear from you. Feedback on that, if you will, 204-780-6868. Now, Loren wanted to know what issues leaving the ER without being seen by a physician might be causing for those who do leave. You're asking a very important question, and the problem is we don't know the answer. So one of the things that I think are important is we need to follow up with people who leave without being seen and see what happened to them. And some of that follow-up can happen in the system. So if somebody goes to emergency and leaves without being seen, we can look and see, well, did they come back the next day, the following day, the following week? Were they seen somewhere else? Those kinds of questions can be answered. We also need to set up a process of actually calling these people. They've registered. We know they were there. We know who they are. We need to call them and say, okay, what happened? Did you get to see somebody? Did you get to get some medication that you needed? What was the the, the, the outcome of this uh, long term? We don't know any of that information because we're not following up on those things. Ultimately, people who t- tend to take the trouble to go to emergency probably have something that needs some care. And if they don't get that care, it's likely to get worse. And then eventually when they're seen, they could be much sicker. Uh, I like that from Dr. Katz, the idea of this being an overall service. And we're checking in and finding out what ultimately happened. Can we redirect you yet again? So is there such a thing, Brett, as too much conversation around this situation? Or do we move on from it? Some will say this is our new reality. Let's just deal with it. Others will say it is absolutely unacceptable. And of course... There are all sorts of takes in between the two positions. But our question of the day at cjob.com for credit aid, struggling with debt, call 204-987-6890, creditaid.ca. 30% of all visitors to Winnipeg emergency departments are leaving before seeing a doctor. How do you feel about this? And your options are what Greg just said. This is our new reality. This is unacceptable. Cast your vote at cjob.com. Gary McNabb on Connecting Winnipeg. Tuesday, we had a conversation about television shows and movies that we really like that no one else seems to really know or have heard of. And that got us thinking about, you know what? This is We could have this same conversation, but with music. So what music, what band, what artist 
do you like or have liked and no one else really seemed to like? Or conversely, if you want to go down a different road, you can piggyback on on what Greg said on Tuesday because GMAC, there was a television show that you did like and then it got popular, so you bailed on it. Yeah, Breaking Bad. I, I thought it was kind of my dirty little secret and then everybody seemed to be talking about it. I'm like, okay, I'm out. I'm done with this now. Did you did you ever finish Breaking Bad though? No. But you but you watch Better Call Saul. Yeah, and I loved it. So now I'm going to probably end up having to uh, spend uh, how many episodes of Breaking Bad? A hundred and sounds like sixty. Uh, 60, uh, okay, 100 and something hours of my life to get caught up. <laughs> yeah, yes, you must. You must. It's excellent. And don't forget about the follow-up movie on Netflix as well. So producer Kyle Milroy in for Jeff Fortier today. Why don't we start with you, sir? All right, so um, I kind of had to go through a bit of my list a lot, and there's a lot of bands that I couldn't actually probably play on the airwaves, so I decided against <laughs> a lot of those. Uh, I often send our former co-worker, Tristan Field-Jones, some stuff that I like, and he's always horrified by it. So, uh, But there's this band that I really like uh, called Sun. It's actually it's spelled S-U-N-N, and then there's like an O, and then there's three bra- right brackets. What it is, it's a, it, they, their logo, their name is a logo from Sun Amplifiers with like the sun, so it looks like a sun. What it is is, um, well, I'll just play a bit now. I can play it under while I talk. What it is is basically sort of like drone, like drone metal music. But I, the caveat is I don't listen to it in the car because it's kind of, I'll just kind of get, you know, too... Zoned out. Too zoned out. I do like to listen to it like if I'm reading or something or just kind of at home. But like I'll put it up and just kind of have it going and it just kind of washes over me. And it's really fun and just kind of cool music to listen to. Yeah, I don't obviously can't recommend that to everyone I talk to, but it's... uh. It's fun for me. That's interesting. It kind of sounds dramatic. Like, I'm sort of anxious right now. I feel like I'm watching a game show, like Howie Mandel is waiting for someone to make their decision. The banker. Deal the ba- or no deal? <laughs> yeah, they do. Have, they use lots of um, operatic uh, singers as well, too, in their live shows and in some of their recordings. So, yeah, it is really, it's very dramatic. You need laser beams in your car while you're listening to this. <laughs> it Everyone makes me uncomfortable. There. Yeah. <laughs> It's making Cam uncomfortable. <laughs> it does. Uh, well, Cam, what, let's go to you next. Well, um, I, I, I'm a big country music fan. You know, I would say the the initial stuff, the stuff that's going on right now, and, and, and Kyle, you can play the clip. But the stuff that's going on right now has its time and place. You know, if you're going to be listening to the, the, you know, the popular country stuff going on right now, it has its time and place. A very, it's a very small time and place. Um, but uh, this is just some great stuff. The Tyler Childers, Eastern Kentucky, uh, some of the best country music coming out right now. Um, Sturgill Simpson's from there. Uh, Chris Stapleton's from there. And uh, this guy, uh, Tyler Childers, who uh, Sturgill Simpson discovered and has uh, been his main producer as well. Uh, great stuff. Love Tyler Childers. Almost saw him at Folk Fest. And then all of a sudden, something happened in 2020. Don't really remember. It's all a, it's all a big blur. And then I uh, obviously couldn't, couldn't do the show at the Folk Fest in 2020. So I uh, will see him eventually, but uh, hopefully sooner than later. And you say there's a, a small time and place to enjoy this music. What? Well, this stuff you can listen to anytime. I'm saying like the new popular like top 40 country is a very small time and place. Uh, then you can listen to it. Like I don't know why, because it's all about ta- it's all about drinking beer. Yeah. Well, I mean, I I don't mind that, but you know, like it's not very. Well, the, the fact of the matter is, it's not very good. And <laughs> and sorry, but it's like maybe you're on the like I know McGarry, you like it on the golf course, and that's fine. That's a good place for it. Maybe you're like around a campfire and it's in the background, but that's about it. This stuff you can listen to anytime. Okay, fair enough. Um, Mr. Mackling, what about you? Okay, so uh, 1984, it's the summer of 84, and I'm doing this mini university thing, and 
and uh, having a great uh, summer. And one night I'm listening to one of our local FM radio stations, uh, famous for playing rock and roll. And, um, well, I called up as soon, like, within about 45 seconds of hearing the opening notes of a particular song, I called one of our local radio stations with this question the first time I heard the, the, my, ultimately what became one of my favorite bands. I'll just press play on this. Kick Axe, that was the answer to the question, and I ultimately went to the U of M. I went to the U of M bookstore the next day. I bought this album, played it over and over and over again, and tried to get my friends interested in it. It worked a little bit. Turn it down, Mac. I can't hear you. But ultimately, oh, I didn't want to turn down Kick Axe. Uh, ultimately, ultimately, I'm surprised and thrilled at how many people were into this band and all these years later, almost 40 years later, still love Kick-Axe. Kick-Axe. <laughs> okay, yeah. I don't think I've ever heard of Kick-Axe. That's fantastic. Jeff Braun, what about you, sir? Um, there's only one artist that I listen to that, you know, has come onto the scene in the last 20 years. Almost everything I listen to is uh, uh, moldy oldies, I guess they would call it. But there's one... <laughs> newer band that I really like. They were called the Gaslight Anthem, and then the front man, the singer-songwriter that led that band, has gone on to a solo career, and his name is Brian Fallon, and this is one of his most recent songs. And now the wind's getting colder and the night's getting cold But I don't mind, I don't mind if I'm with you Oh, that's nice. Yeah, no surprise of their connection to uh, the boss as well. <laughs> yeah, they're from uh, New Jersey yeah. in the Gaslight Anthem, and they—they they were, they're, you know, this, they've studied at the feet of Bruce Springsteen all their life, and they, you can hear a lot of that in a lot of their music. So that's it. Obviously, why I got into it because I'm a huge Springsteen nut. But uh, I've been, yeah, following this band for the last 15 years, and now the singer as he's on his sort of a solo career, and it's uh, every album they puts out better than the last. Brian Fallon. Okay, Brian Fallon. And for me, uh, as far as new-ish or newer music, uh, here, I'll, I'll just press play on this. So this is a German artist named Roosevelt. This particular song is called Bring Back Your Love, but I've really discovered that I like a lot of his music. It's like funky kind of electronic stuff. But when I first <laughs> discovered it, I was standing in Forever 21. At Polo Park. What were you doing in that store in the first place? It was in early, in early 2019. I, w I was with a woman's, the woman I was dating at the time. Okay. Okay. She's paying for her stuff. And this song is playing over our head. So I pull my phone out and I open the Shazam app. I'm like, I like this song. So I guarantee you I'm the only one here who's probably ever heard of Roosevelt. But I would recommend it if you like this sort of electro pop kind of stuff. He's got some really great tunes. So here's what we need from you at 204-780-6868 for a chance to win tickets to see Darcy Oak at the Burton Cummings Theatre in late October. Music you like that no one else seems to know or conversely, is there a particular artist that you once liked and then abandoned when they became popular? Like remember when everybody liked to wail on Nickelback and now it seems like they're they're on their way back. They've got new music out, by the way. Uh, their song San Quentin is a lot of fun. It's classic Nickelback.
It's Mackling and McGarry. McNabb is on Connecting Winnipeg. Producer Kyle Milroy in for Jeff Forte and Master Control. In a moment, we're heading back to London, but it's Thursday, which means after Global News at 7.30, it's our small town salute. Mr. Mackling, where are we heading this week? Well, I don't want to give it away completely. How do we phrase this in the form of a statement that has people intrigued? We're going to go to a community. It's one of the fastest growing communities, not only in Manitoba, but in Western Canada. And they have a new hockey team that uh, launches, shall we say, takes flight on Saturday night for the first time. We'll tell you all about it in about a half an hour. Excellent. So that's coming up at 7.35. And a reminder that we have lots of stuff to give away today. We have a $50 gift card for Popeyes, a $50 gift card for TransCanada Brewing. They celebrate their fifth anniversary. And two tickets to see Darcy Oak at Burton Cummings Theatre. And you can text us about the music you like that no one else knows. Whichever emotion overwhelms me will be it. I should imagine it's the tears. That is a gentleman named Stephen Holdgate. He was one of the first people in line. And now London's Westminster Hall is hosting a second day of round-the-clock visits by mourners who have lined up for hours to file past the coffin holding the late Queen Elizabeth. We go live now to London. Ben O'Hara-Byrne is the host of A Little More Conversation, which airs weeknights on 680 CJOB from 9 through midnight and airs across the nation on chorus radio stations. Ben, good afternoon to you. Yeah, good afternoon. Thanks for having me. Well, it's our pleasure. And the the, the lineup to, to see the Queen lying in state uh, was absolutely huge yesterday. Do you know how long it, it, it got ultimately? It got to about, I think, nearly three miles west of more than five kilometers, right? At one point in the evening, it was, uh, I went and joined it this morning, actually. I really was curious to find out what it was like, how quickly it moved, why people were there, what they brought with them. So I got down there at about 5.30 this morning uh, in the dark on the south bank of the River Thames. And at that point, it was about three kilometers. So I just chatted with the people that were there. It was, it was, it was a really interesting experience to find out, you know, obviously there to pay their respects to the Queen. But a lot of people spoke about history and their families and, you know, the affection for the Queen, the their mother, grandmother had had, and how important it was to be there to honor them as well. And a certain continuity and to be part of history that, you know, that their parents and grandparents had talked about these moments when they'd seen Winston Churchill Lions State or the Queen's coronation. They talked about those events their entire lives, and there's a sense here that history is unfolding in front of them, and that uh, you know, you know, a five six hour wait may be a small price to pay uh, to both thank the Queen and be able to say that uh, you'll be able to tell people that you were there to pay your respects when you had the chance. How much time is each person allowed? Like, is it just kind of a walk in and and say goodbye and it's get about out? Seconds. Yeah, it's about to, I think you're allowed, I mean, you're basically allowed to stop briefly, but they kept this line moving very steadily all the way through. I'm actually standing in front of the gate now where people are coming out, and there's a steady stream of people emerging. I think they're putting maybe 3,000 people an hour uh, through maybe a little bit less, but it, it's been, it is a very, very uh, well-organized affair, and people are given very little time. Although I spoke to one of the people that I stood with after they had come out, and he was telling you that it was, you know, even in that brief moment, the chance to sort of stop and reflect. And, of course, the imperial crown is there, the scepter, the orb, the catafalque, the coffin is raised, um, that it was very touching. And, and he came out in, 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 in very emotional. Um, so people had a range of reactions to it. But even in that short period of time, I think it's become, at least he was saying, it was far more profound and, and uh, than, he, than he thought it would be, and poignant than he thought it would be. And it, it is something. There's a silent, he said it was, 
you know, everyone outside chats away and talks about stuff. And the moment you set foot in there, everyone, there's just sheer silence. Um, and, and, and this sort of awe. It was awesome. He was talking about in, in, the, in the most traditional way. Um, so, yeah, I, I think even though it is brief that people seem to be uh, appreciative that even that they get to spend that amount of time uh, saying thanks. I've spent a fair amount of time watching BBC over the last several days, Ben, and and they talk about the silence uh, being deafening, and in a in a space as large as where the the Queen lies uh, in state, uh, it's a huge space, and so uh, that has people impressed as much as anything else. But so are the logistics around this. You're mentioning how long that lineup is. I'm I'm seeing and have been reading up to ten thousand Brit. Oh, something exciting going on there, Ben? Before- yeah, the beef eaters are leaving. There's, there's a changing of the guard. Of course, you know, they've been in their standing guard and for, for, for the Queen's coffin, and uh, there's a changing now, so they actually bring a bus in, and they all leave through the gates of Westminster and hop on a bus, and they were just getting... There's a huge crowd here. It's, uh, you know, it's around 1 o'clock, so they were getting a huge cheer from the crowd as well um, as they were leaving, and a new group. We just saw a new group come in a little bit earlier to replace them, so, um, you know, clearly there's, there's, it's difficult for, you know, to the, the logistics of this, as you were mentioning, are, you know, everything has to work. They cannot stop this line for long. So when they have a changing of the guard, uh, everyone has to be in place ahead of time. Uh, and so far, it seems to be working exceptionally well. I, I haven't heard any complaints so far about how uh, the process of allowing people in to pay their respects to the Queen line in state uh, has been any problem at all. As, as far as the guards are concerned, uh, we understand that they're sort of rotated through every 20 minutes, but earlier this morning, one of them fainted. Did you hear anything about this uh, situation? Yeah. No, I was, I was standing in that lineup, so you know, it was, uh, I only found out about that later. I mean, obviously, it's tiring, you know, and, and, and this, these are big moments, too, for all of them, you know, to stand, to be part of it. But, of course, you know, they're trained for this. So one would imagine that we're going to see a little bit of that over time. You know, anytime you've ever seen a military parade or procession, there's occasionally the odd person who's overcome by, you know, the circumstances that they're in, whether, you know, regardless of what it may be. Um, so uh, it's not surprising, although it did happen early on. But I imagine they're, they're, they're doing their best to avoid that. Cause I gather they had to turn off the cameras and move the feet away and make sure he was OK. Um, you know, it's not what anyone wants to see, but. You know, this, this is a big moment for a lot of people, and I can imagine that a lot of them haven't slept much, and, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a big duty. And here the, the Queen's guards are coming out so, with their hats on. <laughs> I'm just leaving now, so that we're getting a big change of the guard. It's just after 1 o'clock here in the afternoon, so we're getting a big changing of, uh, of the guard that's going on right now. Ben O'Hara Byrne, thank you very much for joining us, sir. We'll talk to you again tomorrow morning. You're welcome. Thanks so much. And O'Hara Byrne joining us live on 680 CJOB. He's the host of A Little More Conversation, which airs weeknights on 680 CJOB from 9 to midnight and across the nation on Chorus Radio stations. Our very own Richard Cloutier filling in on that show this week while Ben covers what's happening in London. It's uh, Mackling and McGarry. McNabb's on Connecting Winnipeg. <laughs> and Greg's in his glory right yeah, now. Yeah, a little heavy metal shuffle from the Kickaxe crew. Thank you, Kyle Milroy. Kyle, you like Kickaxe, don't you? You know, I knew you were going to say Kickaxe when, you're, when you first heard the subject. I'm like, Greg's going to say Kickaxe. Got so really? Oh, ready, yeah. Yeah. Kyle and I, we, we connect on certain <laughs> levels when it comes to music. Boy, oh boy. We're asking you at 204-780-6868 about the music you like. 
that no one else maybe even knows about or seems to know about or conversely um, bands that maybe you've turned your back on after they got popular and I, I didn't turn my back on this band but I will say that uh, I the luster kind of fell off a little bit here and I'm just uh, pulling this uh, clip back in because I had it in our last half hour so I want to just go back to uh, 1994 for this <laughs> So this is a band called Live. There's a song called Selling the Drama. Loved this song. First saw the video on Much Music. Ran out and bought the album called Throwing Copper. And, uh, you know, they they were somewhat known, but not really. And then a little bit later on, I guess it was by next year, in 1995, this song came out. Lightning Crashes. It's a wonderful song. And it exploded. It was the number one song across the land. Everybody was listening to this song. They, they played it like a slow jam at the bar, even though the subject matter has nothing to do with that. <laughs> and uh, I don't know. I just sort of felt like, yeah, I liked it better when no one else liked it live. Yeah. I hear you. Why I, do we do that? I don't know. We get this little protectionism thing, and we, and we think that we're the ones that have discovered them, and then, you know, they're our pet project, and, and yeah, we, do, we don't want to share. I think, you know, we're in a society, Brett, that decides that we need to put up a little fence on the conveyor belt at the grocery store <laughs> between stuff that the person in front of you doesn't own yet and the stuff that, that I haven't even purchased yet. Uh, we take ownership of these things very early. That's fair. That's a good point. We, feel, we, we, we want to feel like we discovered them. Not you. I'm going to plant my flag in live. Uh, so keep your text messages coming for a chance to win. We're going to pick a winner at 9.15 for the Darcy Oak tickets. It's time for our small town salute. And this morning we're heading just south of the eastern part of the city to a community which grows is continuing to grow by leaps and bounds. In 2021, this community was noted to be the fastest-growing community in Manitoba, having witnessed a 29% population increase since the 2016 census. That's right. A sign of that growth and prosperity is a new recreation facility and a brand-new hockey team. This weekend, we'll see the debut of the Manitoba Junior Hockey League's newest franchise. We welcome to the start Claire Braun, president and governor of the Niverville Nighthawks. Good morning, Claire. Good morning, uh, Brett and Greg. Thank you for having me on. Uh, We're excited to speak with you. Before we discuss what is happening this weekend, a little bit of geography, a geography lesson, if you will, for those of us who have not been to your community, please. Well, we're uh, directly south, 17 minutes south of the perimeter. You can access Niverville by the 59 Highway, or you can go down the uh, Provincial 200, which is St. Mary's Road, or you can come down... Highway 75 and turn off at St. Adolph. All roads lead to Niverville. How many people living in that community these days, Claire? I think we're about six, between 65 and 7,000. 
And hey, you yeah. know, before you mentioned 59, uh, just as somebody uh, who you would be more familiar with this, because I will sometimes uh, sort of head that way. Uh, I like to go golfing in St. Pierre-Jolie from time to time at Maplewood. But um, I always find when I'm driving out down that stretch of Highway 59 that uh, I, I seem to be too slow for everybody. <laughs> is, there, is there just like a heavy foot syndrome as you uh, go down that stretch of Highway 59? You ever notice that? Well... I think, uh, yeah, I, I would agree. Um, we are always always talking to governments about continuing the twinning down to the uh, junction of the 311, and uh, I think those plans are going to happen at some point in time. But right now we're two lanes to El Duchesne, and then we're four lanes into Winnipeg. Okay, that's good to, good to hear that those discussions are continuing because that's where it happens once the twinning stops. And then I have people on my tail, even though I'm going a little bit over the speed limit. So Saturday night, the first flight of the Nighthawks. You've got some pretty impressive plans on the agenda. So tell us what's on tap. Yeah, we've, uh, we've got a, a large facility. So we've, I think we've got a few standing room tickets left on, on, the, on the rink side. I think we'll have about 1,000 to 1,100 people on that side. Suites included, and then adjacent to it is the field house that has seating for uh, a watch. A wa- we're calling it a watch party, social. We've got big screens in there and everything, and so people that don't get into the wrinkle bills watch the game just adjacent to it in the in the building. And then after the game, the game starts at 5 o'clock. Uh, after the game, we move over to the field house, and we're planning a community social for upwards of 1,300 people in that room. We've got a, a local band, um, uh, that's going to be um, going to be playing, and uh, yeah, we're really excited about it. You know, when the NHL came back to Winnipeg, it marked a you know a turning point in a lot of people's minds about where Winnipeg stood in, in terms of major cities across North America. Is it a stretch to suggest that now that Niverville is playing with the Winklers, Steinbeck, Portage, Selkirks of the world in the MJHL, that it's going to raise the profile of Niverville uh, just a little bit more? Yeah, I think every every little piece adds something to that bigger picture. And and we, I mean, we were on this journey. We started the conversations with the MJHL when we were two thousand people back in two thousand and seven. So we've had our eye on this for a long time. And this last year has just been an incredible amount of work to get it done. We've got fifty two founders that have all put ten thousand dollars in from the community and and from the surrounding area. We've got a board of directors of nine people that have been diligently at work. We hired a business manager, coach assistant coach and all those things that you have to do. But I think the highlight, one of the highlights in, on the marketing side of things is we were able to strike a deal with Torque Brewery out of Winnipeg, and they branded a Nighthawk beer um, that is available in the MLCC stores and on tap in many locations. And uh, that's a revenue source for our future. Uh, every time somebody has, enjoys a, a beverage from Torque Brewery, a Nighthawk beer, we uh, we benefit from it. And so, that's been a really, really good. We're going to have food uh, in the building. We've got Santa Lucia Pizza, Pizza 311, Subway are all going to be uh, selling food that night as well. And um, we're really excited about it. I've had this Nighthawk beer. I didn't know, didn't realize that it was um, it was in support of your team. I had it on, I believe I had it on tap at the Grove, and uh, it's delightful. I'm just looking at the Torque, or at the Liquor Mart's uh, website here. Torque Brewing Nighthawk Lager, a lightly fruity yeast note in aroma and tastes a light and crisp cerveza lager. So that's cool, and I'm, I love, love, love this logo. Who um, was, what was the process in getting that designed? Mm-hmm. Well, we, 
we uh, invited about four people into the into the into the mix, and we used a gentleman by the name of Brooks Freeman from Verdon. He's he's done a lot of rebranding, Wee King rebranding, uh, Nipawa Titans rebranding. So he did. Uh, he was invited into it. We had two or three others uh, working on it as well, and uh, yeah, we uh, we we had a naming contest in the community. Uh, so we brought the community into the naming side of it, and. Uh, Nighthawks actually came out number one in terms of uh, people's, as we narrowed it down from, I think, 100 names at the beginning. Uh, Nighthawks uh, was the number one winner, and we decided to go that way. Uh, it was a great process, brought the community together, and, and uh, that's been our whole thing. I mean, we have, a, we have a very excited community base. I don't know if a lot of people know this, but Niverville, apart from being the fastest growing, we're the youngest community in Manitoba by age. Uh, I think the average age of a Niverville resident is 31 years old. So we have a lot of young people, a lot of children, and uh, we wanted to engage them. We've got about 100 volunteers uh, for opening night. It's just an incredible amount of support that the community has given to this. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be great. Claire Braun, president and governor of the Niverville Nighthawks. Claire, we'll have to have you back as the season progresses. I want to learn more about your new facility in Niverville and 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 plans for the future because uh, Niverville seems to squarely have its focus on the future. We appreciate this very much. Good luck over the weekend. Good luck Saturday night and uh, go Nighthawks. Could I just give you our email address if people want to of order? Of course. Okay, so if you www. Um, mjhlnighthawks.ca will get you to our website and from there you can order tickets to the watch party and uh, thank you again Brett and Greg for having me on this morning I appreciate it. Thank you for joining us Claire, Bra- Claire Braun joining us live on 680 CJOB President and Governor of the Niverville Nighthawks and once again that website mjhlnighthawks.ca Love the colors. I yes. love this logo. Yes. Uh, they, uh, n- this, this is no offense to major league logos, but all of my favorite logos are in like either minor leagues or junior leagues. Like, uh, for example, one that always jumps out for me. It's always the first one I think of the Bakersfield Condors in the AHL. And I guess it just means I'm maybe a bit more immature. I don't know. Cause I know that a lot of these uh, leagues will, will the designs are more family friendly, right? Yeah, the, you know, the, that's a whole conversation we could have. This Nighthawks logo is great. The color scheme and the and the logo a little bit reminiscent of the Atlanta Thrashers. And you can say a lot of things about the Atlanta Thrashers before they moved to Winnipeg. Uh, their fashion sense is not one of them. They, <laughs> they, they had it going on with a lot of their uniforms. Yeah, and this Nighthawk looks fierce. The, re- the red eyes. Oh, I love that red coming eye. Coming for you. We're it's, coming for you, MJHL. It's great. It is Mackling and McGarry. McNabb is on Connecting Winnipeg this week. Coming up after Global News at 8.30, we want to tell you about an awesome event coming up on September 25th. It's called Lobster Feast. It's in support of Habitat for Humanity, and it involves one of our pals. So that's coming up at 8.35. And before we talk about more about car break-ins... Um, Take you back, Brett. <laughs> okay, now I know what's happening here. What's Don H have for obscure music we love that maybe no one else knows? Once upon a time, I used to listen to Coast to Coast on CJOB. I would turn on the timer on the radio and drift off to sleep listening to Art Bell's weird and wacky interviews. One night, stayed up to catch the complete show and listened to the closing theme. 
Inca Dance by Cusco. <laughs> After a bit of research, I found they had several albums paying tribute to the North and South American indigenous cultures. That's awesome, Don. Yeah, I haven't heard this in a long time. Let me see if I can uh, still do this for Don. From the high desert in the great American Southwest, I bid you all good morning, good evening, wherever you may be. Like a Scirocco. <laughs> um, Art Bell, one of the legends. Uh, so here's what we're asking you for a chance to win tickets for Darcy Oak. Tell us about music you love that maybe no one else seems to know about. Or is there some music that you did like? And then when everyone else started liking it, you turned your back on that musician. 204-780-6868. Also, producer Kyle Milroy, we gave away something before Global News at 8 o'clock. It was the choice between a $50 gift card for Popeyes or TransCanada Brewing. First of all, who won? Uh, Todd Dubeck was the winner. Todd Dubeck won? What did Todd Dubeck win? He chose some delicious fried chicken. Fried chicken, which means <laughs> the $50 gift card for TransCanada Brewing shall be given away later this hour. Their fifth anniversary party is coming up on Saturday. It's going to be a great time, and I will be there live on location. Real tough assignment. Hey, Brett, you want to go work at a brewery? Oh, gosh, no, please. Oh, no, no. I don't want to do that. Why would I want to do that? Of course I want to do that. You keep uh, bringing me toques, like, nice toques like this. Uh, I wouldn't mind at all. <laughs> That's right. Last night I was uh, I was actually at their very first Partners Appreciation Night. Um, they hosted a wonderful dinner. It was fantastic. And uh, so very much looking forward to the event on Saturday. Um, car break-ins continue to be a problem for vehicle owners in Winnipeg. In the first six months of this year, police say they have been... More than 5,400 thefts, Greg, from vehicles reported. Yeah, that number's on track to exceed last year's total of more than 7,100 car break-ins. And those repeated break-ins have some Winnipeg res residents feeling helpless and angry. Global's Abigail Turner spoke with some who say they've had enough. You'll hear car alarms go off all night, every night here, all night. You'll hear them go off in the distance, close. Ashley Murray moved to Elmwood earlier this year. She first noticed the crime in her new neighborhood when her delivery driver called her to say he was robbed by someone with a machete. Since then, her car has been broken into and her tires have been punctured. I had posted on Facebook in a group um, that like a area group for my area and a lot of people when I posted my vehicle got broken into as well or my window got smashed the last weekend or so it's kind of an ongoing thing but that kind of property crime isn't isolated to one neighborhood it's happening almost nightly around here Jackie Dykeman is a property manager at a building on River Avenue she's lived there for 30 years and says she's recently noticed a change two vehicles in here have had tools stolen catalytic, catalytic converters stolen um, my vehicle was broken into. They stole prescription sunglasses, anything they could get their hands on. She checks her building's cameras routinely for thieves, a useful tool, but not a solution, according to the chairperson for Citizens on Patrol. They feel very safe because they've got the cameras. That's protecting their house, their home, but that's not going to address the community safety. A disappointing realization for many people like Murray, who says it might be time to try something new. It's almost like, you know, I'm better off taking a bus or not having a vehicle. A decision that may seem extreme, but one that comes after an exhausting battle of break-ins and thefts that seems to have no end in sight. 
Abigail Turner, Global News. Now, the police aren't immune to this either, and at their downtown headquarters, they actually were, were hoping to strike a deal to get some parking set aside at the Millennium Parkade because officers are sometimes targeted as they are approaching their own vehicles and they become victims of crime themselves. But uh, it was voted down at EPC. So here's Mo Sabrin, uh, head of the Winnipeg Police Association. Well, um, this... Uh, deal that went before EPC today uh, would have resolved it. We would have had enough uh, interest for our members to pay fair market play uh, price in the Millennium Parkade, yet um, we were quite disappointed with the mayor's comments that the chief does not support this because he is in full support of it. We had set up a high-level committee to come up with a resolution, and this was the resolution that we put forward. And even his own administration uh, recommended that this should be accepted by EPC. So to see a 3-3 split on this was very disappointing, and the comments from the mayor in particular were very disappointing. What did he say? Well, he uh, he basically said that uh, because the chief does not support this initiative, that he in good conscience could not support it. But I think he knows that that is an inaccurate statement, and it did come out in a further interview that he is upset with the WPA because of some comments that we had made the last uh, four years uh, in relation to the election when he was running. Most Abrin, head of the Winnipeg Police Association, talking to Richard Cloutier mm-hmm. and Skylar Peters on the news yesterday. Fighting words between the outgoing Winnipeg Police Association president and the outgoing mayor. You can read more at cjob.com and you can weigh in at 204-780-6868. Coming up in a moment, we're going to have a look at traffic, weather, and Canada's Empire Company reporting some pretty big profits. Details next on The Start. Oh, yeah. Way to go, producer Kyle. Some coast to coast. I'm really late for work. (laughs) Or way too early. It's Mackling and McGarry. McNabb is on Connecting Winnipeg. Before we say hello to our next guest, a reminder that we have Darcy Oak tickets up for grabs at Burton Cummings Theatre, October 21st and 22nd. We're asking you about music you like that maybe no one else even knows or music you liked before everyone knew what it was or maybe you liked something and then it got popular and you said, you know what, I'm out. What is this? Uh, we're playing some Stray Cats? You got it, man. The music I was into, and this is from an unnamed texter, so shoot us your name if you would at 780-6868. The music I was into before everyone else, quote-unquote, rockabilly, loved it. When the Stray Cats hit the mainstream, many of my friends discovered the genre, but there were so many amazing bands. The King Bees, Beat Farmers, Johnny DeFury, the Shaken Pyramids, the Elvis Brothers, and the Dell Lords. I play the drums and uh, that's my uh, rockabilly go-to. Oh, I play the drums is my rockabilly go-to. That must be a, a song by the Dell Lord. Sorry, Brett. And happy to find many of these bands on Spotify. And I don't know if you can find them on Spotify, and we'll qualify this in a moment, but one of the bands that I loved back in the late 90s, early 2000s, was a band called Saving Isaac featuring Christopher Graves. 
Get out of here. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, well, we'll learn more about that in a moment. But And that text, by the way, came from Peter. Found his name in a couple of his past texts. So, Peter, thank you very much for that. And speaking of music, I'm just going to play something our next guest uh, enjoys as uh, an intro theme here. So yesterday we spent a lot of time talking about nonprofit and charitable organizations and all the wonderful work they do. But they can't do that without raising funds. So one of the ways they do that is by putting on and being part of awesome events like the one we're about to discuss, which combines one of my favorite things and one of Greg's favorite things. So naturally, we must discuss this. The event is happening at the King's Head Pub on Sunday, September 25th, and it's called Lobster Feast. It's in support of Habitat for Humanity. Chris Graves is the owner of the King's Head and joins us now. Uh, Chris, why this song? You know what? First of all, <laughs> Saving Isaac was a long time ago, and that was amazing. I love that reference, by the way, Greg. That was fantastic. And I will say, Michael Bolton, I'm a little bit of a closet lover of, of the Bolton. I love the Bolton. And... I actually have a special guest on with me that I want you to introduce you to. My mom from the East Coast is on here right now to support their lobster feed. Want you there? Hi, guys. Hello. 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 Hello from Nova Scotia. Hi there. <laughs> That's yeah, cute. I told you there was going to be a little bit of a special thing. but uh, <laughs> I am special. <laughs> hey, mama, I just ma- wanted to say, go ahead. Uh, Mama Graves, you you cook up the lobsters, don't you? Don't you bring them with you? I do indeed, and the mussels. Oh, well, okay. You just let the spoiler out, Mom. That was <laughs> a seafood surprise. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't tell me that, son. <laughs> All right, so Chris, uh, this is a unique opportunity to enjoy an authentic East Coast lobster feast uh, because these lobsters are coming not just from the ocean, but you say with the ocean what do you mean yeah well what we've done in the past is we actually make sure that the lobster is done actually like steamed and cooked in the actual water that the lobsters come from it gives it a beautiful flavor and you're not going to have any type of lobster like this in manitoba i can absolutely assure you and Uh mom mom and dad come in mom makes her homemade potato salad coleslaw, fresh rolls, and there was a seafood surprise, which mom let out of the bag already, <laughs> which is the mussels. Uh, and it's, it's a great time. We actually do it, and we love partnering with Habitat for Humanity. We haven't been able to do this for a, a while because of COVID, you know, you know, things like that. We love doing charity, and we're able to partner with them again this year. It's such a good event. It's September 25th. It's a Sunday five o'clock we have live music we're talking about music today uh on the radio it's east coast uh music which is going to be great and all proceeds go to habitat for humanity okay Mm -hmm. so mom and dad are are coming with the lobster so mom tell us uh, about the logistics of bringing the lobster complete with the ocean (laughs) well uh, when we did the lobster feast three years ago we contacted WestJet to see what we had to do to bring the ocean water on board with us. And they basically told us how to package it and bring it on board. And they had no problem with us bringing it on. So we're bringing, 
Yep, we're bringing water with us from the ocean here in Nova Scotia. <laughs> How much water do you have to bring, Mama Graves? Well, you don't need a whole lot because the, uh, the uh, lobsters are basically steamed. So it's, it's uh, like a five-gallon jar, uh, jug that we bring with us. And how many lobsters? Uh, it depends on how many tickets are sold, but a lot. We're looking at, we're looking at, at least a couple hundred lobsters for sure. And yeah. beautiful, nice two-pound lobsters. So they're going to be really, really nice. Uh, fun. Here's a fun fact for everybody out there. There is this old law in Nova Scotia that you actually typically aren't allowed to remove the ocean water from mm-hmm. the oceans. And uh, we skirt that a little bit because we just don't tell the government we're taking them. <laughs> <laughs> My bad boy son. <laughs> They're not listening to the radio station anyway, so we don't need to worry about this. Chris, this is a, a tremendous, uh, obviously, opportunity for, for us here on the prairies to taste lobster as it ought to be. And so I'm looking forward to that part of it. But why is this so special? I mean, your mom and dad do so much every time they come out to visit. Uh, th- there's a lot of love uh, cooked into these lobsters. Absolutely. Yeah, it is. And it's an important event for us because, again, we, you know, we're locally owned and we're family run. Mom and dad, even though from Nova Scotia, are very heavily involved in the King's Head and the business. And like you said, Greg, when they come out, you know, my mom is, is, as you can probably tell, is a little bit of a socialite. So she <laughs> likes to go around and, and talk to different tables. But that's what I love. It's, where, it's what I love most about what the King said brings is, is that family-style type of, of flavor. And when we all sit down and we eat lobsters, it's family-style seating. We all sit together. And you're talking like plastic bibs and tablecloths. But it's, mm-hmm. it's also such a good, it's for such a good cause. Habitat for Humanity, Manitoba. We get to keep the money here in Manitoba directly. We get to help families uh, build a great future with homes. And what I love most about Habitat is it's a, hand, it's a hand up, not a handout. And that's what I love. And they're such a great organization. And the fact that we can bring family into it is amazing. I will say everybody's got to go get their tickets quick because they stop being on sale on, on Friday uh, or they sell out, one or the other, whatever happens first. And it's kingshead.ca. You've got to get your tickets. Mama Graves, by the way, what's your first name? Jenny. Say that again? Jenny. Jenny. When do you arrive in yep. Winnipeg, Jenny? We arrive on the 22nd. Get all the preparations done for the big event. And just remember, you better go get your box wine before then because it'll be sold out. <laughs> <laughs> like right across the city, it'll be sold out. All across the city, <laughs> yeah. Greg's got one more question for you, Chris. So um, is there any chance that once this is all finished and complete and say on the 26th, 27th, 28th, there might be some lobster mac and cheese back on the menu at the king's head well how about um seafood chowder i'm gonna make some of that while i'm out there uh, jenny that sounds great but chris uh lobster <laughs> mac and cheese is that an option <laughs> you know what you know what mr rockling i will make sure we keep a little bit to the side just so we could make a little lobster mac and cheese for you okay bye all right some lobster <laughs> g mac and cheese i like it 
<laughs> just remember, uh, it's, it's going to be the best $75 mac and cheese you've ever had. <laughs> you charge me whatever you need to, my friend. <laughs> Chris Graves and Jenny Graves, Mama Graves, joining us live on 680 CJOB Lobster Feast in support of Habitat for Humanity. It's coming up on the 25th. Also, heads up there, uh, the, the, the lobster mac and cheese, the context there is Greg has been talking about this for years. He says they used to have this lobster mac and cheese on the menu. It's the stuff of legend. Also the stuff of legend, their curry buffet. I've heard about that, and it's coming back uh, to on Friday uh, for the first time since before COVID, and I've never actually had the opportunity to sample that, so I'm looking forward to that. But again, the big event, Lobster Feast, September 25th at the King's Head Pub, and you will be supporting a wonderful cause in Manitoba. It's Mackling and McGarry, McNabbin Connecting Winnipeg. We're asking you about music that you like that maybe no one else knows. Is this an example, Producer Kyle? It is not. I was late getting to some music, so <laughs> apologies. <laughs> what was that that you just played? Uh, so, something called No One to Depend On. It's just some rock bed I found. I just had to play something. Okay. <laughs> yeah, well, you... here, can I play 20 seconds of something? Yeah, for sure. Okay, here. What you dance to on your wedding day It's what helps you through when your heart breaks This is a band called Jetty Road. They are an Italian, uh, Italian, Australian trio that I saw at Saffron's about a decade ago on a random Monday night. They just happened to be making their way through Western Canada on sort of a, a pre-publicity tour and they are a big deal in Australia now. I purchased their CD that night. That's how long ago it goes. And I absolutely love their music. And it was uh, Gabby's discussion uh, that, that uh, prompted my memory of the, uh, of the fine folks in Jetty Road. Neat. That's pretty cool. Yeah, like we're getting, we are getting some really obscure stuff. Like Kaz says, the band C-Train, they had one of the greatest electric violin players. I think Green was his last name. One hit wonder band with 13 questions was the song Great Violin Solo. So Kaz, thank you for that suggestion. Uh, but our, for our winner, we because we also asked you, who's a band that you turn your back on after they got too popular? And this one is the subject of Allison's text. What does Allison say, Mackling? Allison says, completely turned my back on Maroon 5. First two albums were so good. Then they became, and this was the clincher, <laughs> the John Grisham of rock. <laughs> churning out cheesy songs every other week. Absolutely fantastic. <laughs> you locked it down with that with that reference. I'd never heard that before. I don't know if it's a thing or not, Brett, but either. it is now. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And we were both just laughing our heads off this morning. So, Allison, congratulations. You're going to see Darcy Oak at Burton Cummings Theatre.